quick pause. I just got a text. It will be an interesting day in the house today. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Third Read Podcast. I'm Caitlin Schalhorn, editor of the Missouri Times. I am Connor Kerrigan, business manager of the Missouri Times. So it has been a long day already. What are we drinking? Yeah, so we're recording this around like one in the afternoon uh, and Caitlin and I have already had uh, quite a busy day, uh, which we're (laughs) going to talk about in just a minute. So we decided to go pretty simple with the cocktail today. It's a whiskey coffee. So you just put whiskey in your coffee. Yep. As much or as little as you want. And on a day like today, I could use a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And before we dive in, we're going to hear a quick word from one of our sponsors and then we'll get started. Before we get to the podcast, we want to remind everybody to drive safely out there, especially around school buses this time of year. You know, kids are finally back in school across Missouri, and this great weather has everybody's minds on baseball and sweet tea. And kids don't always make sure the coast is clear before crossing the road. You know, nationally, around a dozen kids die every year getting on and off school buses. By being mindful, taking it easy, and stopping when they're stopped, we can all do our part to help make sure Missouri's kids get to school and back home again safely. So, Caitlin, uh, this morning you and I were trying to get this podcast recorded <laughs> yep. when we were interrupted um, with yep. some breaking news that was happening in the house. Um, and I know this is a topic that you've been covering for a little bit. So why don't you tell me what happened? Yeah. So we actually had been talking this morning originally about the resignation announcement that happened earlier this week from Representative Rick Raber. Um, I think we all remember Raber is has been accused of physical and sexual abuse by his now adult children. He narrowly won his election to his House seat in November, so he's a freshman freshman Republican this year. Um, When he got here to the State House, he was not seated with the Republican caucus. They they wouldn't let him join um, because of the allegations, and the Ethics Committee opened uh, an investigation into him. Now, given how the ethics committee works we don't really know too much yet about who they've talked to what they've discovered um it sounds like there's a report that's coming out maybe next week and we'll we'll learn a little bit more it's all been pretty closed doors um on that front but it seemed like the house ethics committee was about to wrap this week or, yeah. or in the near future their investigation and so earlier this week raber submitted submitted his resignation to the house speaker So it seemed like the resignation may have been an attempt to uh, end the ethics investigation and avoid some of the consequences that could come from that. Um, However, there was an update this morning that interrupted our podcast. So tell uh, tell everyone a little bit about what happened in the House this morning. Yeah. First, I think it's important to to know for our listeners that Raber has denied all of the allegations against him. Um, He has said that these aren't true. This didn't happen. Um, so I want to make sure that we get get his his side in there. Sure, and yeah. when he did resign earlier this week, he set Friday as his last day in the state house. Um, he did not mention the allegations. He did not mention the ethics committee or the probe. He said that him and his fiance, his now now fiance, are moving out of state to be closer to extended family. He also said that he only planned to be in the state house for about a year. Um, he took over a seat that was held by his late wife. Um, she died in 2019. 
and he said in his statement that he believed Governor Parson would call a special election, so he really didn't plan to be in the state house for that long, um, mm-hmm. and that's what he said. Yeah, so he had he, only planned to finish out her term. Yeah, um, wanted to finish out her legacy. He said, um, particularly with charter school she was a big proponent of charter school legislation so we um we broke that story earlier this week that he had officially submitted his resignation with friday as his last day in the state house and then this morning the house decided that that just wasn't gonna fly they weren't gonna let him do it so the house gaveled in this morning um the full resignation letter from representative raper was read on the floor and Travis Fitzwater, the ethics committee chairman, rose and encouraged his fellow lawmakers to vote to reject the resignation, right. which they did in a 153 to zero vote. Mm-hmm. Pretty overwhelming. Um, and it was a postponement. Um, yeah. So what that means um, to reject it, it's not that they're saying, no, we don't want you to resign. We want you to continue to serve with us in the state house. It is we do not accept your resignation at this time we probably will at a further date um but we want you to still be in the house so that we can continue our probe we can continue putting together our report as the ethics committee and you know release that probably next week yeah and from everything we know um leadership and uh the ethics committee are working with uh local law enforcement on the issue and we know that uh gene peters baker prosecutor in kansas city is pursuing a case against raber um not for the charges against his children but it seems like there's a separate investigation going on um, I believe that they are concerned about contact that he has with children yeah. or a specific yeah. child. Yeah. Um, but again, that those details are pretty um, kept behind closed doors for, for now. Yeah. So um, it sounds like the ethics report is going to come out sometime early next week. That's what they said earlier this week. Um, when Raber initially resigned, they, Viscovo, the House Speaker, and Fitzwater, the ethics chairman, put out a joint statement and I have to say it's probably one of the most damning statements that I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, they specifically uh, called his actions heinous. Um, they said that he should be the subject of a thorough investigation from law enforcement and they also said that they have cooperated with law enforcement themselves yeah. with whatever it is that they have found thus far. Yeah. Um, but in that in that statement they also said that we could expect the committee report next week yeah so um as as we knew it was going mm-hmm. to be this morning it was an interesting day in the house today it was. um this Pretty somber is, day. yeah it's uh it's a developing story there's going to be more that's going to be coming out that we're going to be reporting on at, at the missouri times.com yeah um especially after that ethics committee report comes out so um i'm sure this is something we'll be talking about next week as well um but yeah that was i mean we we were trying to get get our work done and that breaking news came up so yeah i think what they said on the floor was that they didn't want raber to feel like he could quote escape yeah they wanted him to face the ethics committee report whatever that is whatever they have found and the repercussions and fallout from that yeah um well on that note uh we are going to transition to some new subjects but um first we're going to have a quick word from another one of our sponsors yeah we'll be right back Missouri politicians want to expand the broken Medicaid system across the state, forcing hardworking taxpayers to pay for the dramatically high price tag. But your voice could stop this disastrous proposal. Funding Medicaid expansion will deplete our state budget, take more money out of your family's pockets, and force cuts to the essential services we rely on. 
We need you to tell your lawmaker Missouri can't afford Medicaid expansion. Visit StopMedX.com today. Paid for by Americans for Prosperity. Welcome back. Yeah, so, um, Caitlin, one thing that we've been hearing a lot about in the legislature um, in recent weeks is this idea of vaccine passports. Tell me first off, like, what are vaccine passports? Yeah, so there are several different ideas, um, but basically the basic concept of a vaccine passport is just proof that you have been vaccinated. Um, If you've traveled out of the country, you know that that's not necessarily a new concept. You know, you have to carry around a little card along with your passport that shows you've received the The yellow card. Yeah. yeah. Well, to me, it's white because I can't see yellow. (laughs) Um, I'm a little colorblind. But yeah, they carry around that little card that that shows that you've received, you know, the vaccine, a vaccination for malaria or whatever it is, depending on where you're traveling. Mm -hmm. So as more and more people are are getting vaccinated and as we're continuing to you know navigate life through the covid pandemic um there's this idea of a covid vaccine passport some countries like israel have already implemented such a system it's an Mm -hmm. app for them um then and people can show through the app uh, that they've been vaccinated and they can attend maybe more larger scale events like a concert or a larger gathering at a restaurant. The state of New York, too, is also working on an app. Here in Missouri, yeah. it's a little <laughs> more controversial, as yeah. usual. Yeah, so it, it, you know, we've had a couple statements um, from Republican leadership and, and statewide Republicans saying that we're, we're absolutely never going to have a vaccine passport here right. in Missouri. Um, the thing they're grappling with right now is the issue of, you know, you can say, you know, as the state legislature, we're going to pass a law that says on public transportation or anything like that, you can't require a, uh, a vaccine passport. However, the, the issue comes when you start to talk about um, telling businesses that they are not allowed to require a vaccine passport in order to um, be a customer at their business. So someone like um, an airline company or a restaurant, um, some of those companies may choose to require a vaccine passport. And so the uh, that's where the contention comes in. I think um, a really good comparison here um, is something that you had brought up to me was um, the the baker, uh, the, the bakery issue that was back in i think what 2014 2015 yeah, in colorado with the the same-sex wedding cake yeah so there was a baker in colorado who did not want to uh bake a cake for a same-sex couple and it kind of became this national story um that was politically divisive and a lot of republicans at the time were saying well the government can't tell this baker that they have to bake a cake for um for anyone right because that's not what the free market uh allows yeah i think the argument there too was that you know because of his religious beliefs he did not want to provide this cake so can the government say dictate a business what to do yeah so that's the issue that we're running into right is there are a lot of members of the majority party in the missouri general assembly that uh basically want to tell businesses that you cannot require a a vaccine passport of your customers Um, but that kind of goes against the idea of these free market uh solutions saying that you know instead of the government telling a business that they're not allowed to do something you should instead uh use your voice as a consumer and and put your money where your mouth is and say okay this business is requiring vaccine passports me as a consumer i am going to choose to not go there not the government is going to mandate anything yeah um and you've seen some disconnect a little bit with with the house and the senate 
so far as we work through vaccine passports in the General Assembly. And I'm, I'm interested to see where we go in the next, you know, just couple of days left of session, really. Um, in the Senate, what the Senate has done is just essentially say, hey, public transportation, you can't require this type of proof of vaccination at all. Not just even the COVID vaccine. It just leaves it broad and says vaccination. Mm-hmm. In the House, the House has taken it a step further and they have sought to not only bar this proof on transportation, but also prohibit businesses from saying, you know, employees and customers in order to come here, you yeah. have to have the COVID vaccine and have to prove the COVID vaccine. Um, there's some questions about privacy rights, you know, just what would a vaccine passport look like? You know, what what kind of information could a business ask of you? Um, you know, what kind of medical history would they they require of you and then there's also you know the question of the right to move freely the right to travel yeah yeah so uh it's it's kind of volleying between the two chambers right now and you know we've we've only got a few weeks left in session so we'll see where that uh lands but it's definitely something to keep an eye on yeah and it's important to note that governor mike parson has been pretty staunchly opposed to vaccine passports and has said that he would not issue a statewide mandate to require such a such a proof and the federal government as well has said it will not issue a federal mandate for a vaccine passport yeah um speaking of the house and the senate um you and cameron have kind of been able to you know you're missing out on your reality tv um but you've been covering the senate um i know cameron was in the senate chamber until 6 15 a.m ish on wednesday morning um doing his first overnight so yeah congrats cameron yeah shout out to cameron um but the, the reason I bring up reality TV is that the Senate has been very dramatic lately. Um, yeah. You and Cameron have been covering it. Can you tell me a little bit about what's been going on? Well, it seems like tensions are still flaring and there's still some fallout from the UM System Board of Curators appointments, nomination, yeah. that entire process. That yeah, we, the Todd Graves thing yeah, that we talked about yeah, last week. Yeah, right. And so... On Monday, Senator Schatz had a bill on the floor, and um, many of the Republican senators, mostly conservative ones in the conservative caucus, kind of left. They left to go get dinner, which, to be fair, I was sitting there starving, so (laughs) I completely understand. I don't think them leaving was driven by hunger. I mean, it would have been for me, but no. (laughs) So they didn't want to be there. They didn't want to, you know, stand and, and help support the bill in any way. Um, for a variety of reasons. Um, and at one point during the night, there was a quorum call. You know, that happens if, if someone notices that there's not enough senators on the floor, they can, you know, request request a quorum to be established. Yeah. So that happened, and it took about an hour for other senators to, enough senators to come to the floor. Right. And... So it seemed like, you know, the conservative caucus was refusing to um, kind of be there for this vote on Schatz's bill. Mm-hmm. They established a quorum. Um, I think it was Senator Elaine Gannon. It was. That, that kind of became the the, um, the final member that was needed for the quorum. And then uh, leadership decided to do something to kind of put their middle finger up towards the conservative caucus. Yeah, yes and no. Um, So she was the final person, and and there were some deals worked out, and as soon as she came down to the floor and a quorum was established, that bill was was laid over. It was put on the informal calendar, which means it debate for that night was done, but it can be brought up again later. The next bill that was brought up was one that was on the calendar. Um, Senator Rowden's office 
texts and sends out messages to other Senate staffers saying, here's what could come up today. This was a bill that was on that list of potential, you know, legislation that could get brought up. Mm -hmm. But a lot of conservative members really wanted to make sure they were there for debate. They wanted to make sure there was some strong anti-abortion, you know, funding of abortion language in this bill and when it was brought up they were not there yeah and just real quick the bill was um fras yes reauthorization of fras yeah which is um typically a routine thing that they have to do every session um but they were trying to get this anti-abortion legislation on there Mm -hmm. um like you said that was something that conservative caucus um wanted to make sure happened but leadership brought it up without it um, because they weren't there to help establish the quorum. They weren't. And um, I guess they quickly came back to the Capitol. Um, yeah. So so they came back. Uh, they discussed that for, for a while. Um, that bill eventually was also laid over when Senator Wheland and Senator Hegeman agreed to have a discussion. Yeah. Um, and off, you know, off the record, I guess, discussion about what the path forward for that bill would look like with in what kind of abortion funding language yeah they were gonna come to a compromise and, and put on the bill so we're still kind of waiting to hear yeah what's how, gonna that, be next how there. that went but and that was monday um i know obviously tuesday they ended up going uh very very late um like we said about six fifteen on wednesday what it's starting to look like is something that we had said last week i mean there really seems to be a three-party system right now right. where there is the Republican Party, the Democrat Party, and the conservative caucus. And so each of those three factions are kind of, um, you know, maneuvering around the other. And then even within their own Right, they're caucuses. fracturing within yeah. their own caucuses yeah. as well. So there are, tensions are high. Um, mm-hmm. We have technically a month left of session, which is a very short amount of time. There is a ton of legislation that was deemed priority legislation for this year from, you know, school education reform to gas tax to Wayfair to not even to mention the budget that has to be done. And with such a short time, you know, you hope to see some of these relationships mend a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And when you say there's a month of session left, I think it's really important to note that that like a month sounds a lot longer than it is in terms of how a session works. It's so not. When you have a month left, you have a few working days left. Right. Um, like three full working days a week. Um, and outside of that, it's you're done. And, and we've only got four weeks left. So it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. Um, I think we can expect a lot more of the so-called Christmas tree bills, which are yeah. smaller, more innocuous bills that get 20... Yep. different amendments attached to them hanging all those ornaments on the yep. christmas tree and i think yeah. we can expect more late nights yeah um speaking of uh it seems like priority legislation there is a bipartisan bill that's made mm-hmm. its way through the house that is now in the senate um and we actually had a celebrity get involved in missouri state so politics cool. based on uh this legislation so can you first talk me through um what the legislation is and then who was the celebrity that uh that that testified yeah so this is a bipartisan bill it would create some oversight that the state would have on these unlicensed reform boarding schools you know those those facilities missouri is only one of two states in the nation that doesn't have this type of oversight over these schools and over the last year especially we have seen report after report after report of just heartbreaking 
abuse allegations that are occurring at some some of these schools. Right. Um, it's important to note that uh, this abuse has purportedly occurred at some unlicensed schools, but also licensed facilities. So it's not just not just these schools where this can happen. But this bill would kind of give the state some oversight and hopefully build in some greater protections for children who are who are here from both physical and sexual abuse. Yeah. Um, and so there was a hearing on this bill, um, a bipartisan bill. There was a hearing in the Senate and um, I was hanging out with some Senate <laughs> staffers and they said, oh, my God, Paris Hilton uh, submitted testimony on this bill. Um, so I immediately texted you and yep. you ran away with it. You you. So you got the scoop. So, yeah, I tell me what happened. Um, did some investigative reporting <laughs> more so than I've done in a little while. <laughs> I was like, surely this isn't the Paris Hilton that we all know and love or that I know and love. Um, and there was a you know, there's some contact information attached to this written testimony that had been submitted in advance of the Senate hearing. So I reached out to the phone number and it turned out to be um you know person on paris hilton's team and could confirm the validity of the testimony and she did in fact submit some written testimony in support of this bill she herself had gone to a school a boarding school in utah when she was a teenager and publicly last year through and she has an amazing documentary about this but came forward with um her story of how she was abused at mm -hmm. the school as a teenager and just some horrific claims and so she took it upon herself to reach out to the Missouri State Legislature and, and the Missouri lawmakers and encourage them to pass this bill to add these protections in. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see how that how that goes. But I mean, I one of the things that I'm really impressed by is, you know, a lot of celebrities will get involved in national politics. Mm -hmm. They'll go on CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, and they will weigh in on national issues. I think that when you are a celebrity at the level that Paris Hilton is, I mean, right. she's a household name, and you are getting involved in state politics, I think that really shows that you are actually invested in this issue and you understand what it means to be an effective advocate. Yeah, and I just think it's so incredibly important because there is some stigma around, you know, abuse in general, and there shouldn't be, but there, there still can be, and she's kind of giving a hope to some of these kids saying, you know, you're not alone. This happened to me too. I believe you. I hear you. I support you. Yeah. Let's get this fixed. Um, it was an incredibly emotional and just heartbreaking hearing that we had this week with survivors coming from all over the country. There were some people coming from California and Texas and Pennsylvania um, just to tell their own stories of a lot of the just physical abuse that they, they endured at these schools from yeah. drowning to being tied to farm animals and having to stay tied to farm animals for the entire day. Um, yeah. And some of these schools are places where um, children who might have a behavioral issue can be sent to. And it was brought up in the hearing, and I think it's a, an interesting point that um, sometimes people aren't as apt to believe these kids when they try to come forward with, with their stories and what's happening to them. And so adding in these greater protections will hopefully you know, protect yeah. more children in the future. Yeah. Um, so that was a, a bipartisan bill started in yep. the House. It's over in the Senate now. We'll see where it goes. Um, I kind of wanted to end on a little bit of a, a lighter note. We've had some Speaking really of celebrities. <laughs> yeah. So we've had some um, pretty heavy topics uh, this yeah. week. But 
one thing that um, we're hearing rumors on, and it looks like it is going to happen. Um, if you remember Mark McCloskey. How could you forget? <laughs> that Mark image is forever ingrained in my head. Yep. Mark and his wife are famous gun owners. They uh, were the um, Central West End residents who uh, pointed guns at protesters over the summer. Right. Um, and then became kind of celebrities in their own um because of the incident. Um, yeah. I actually was living um, about three blocks from their house in Central West End when this happened. Um, so I, I'm very familiar with the incident. Um, Mark McCloskey is set to announce this week that he is also running for United States Senate in Missouri. So like a couple of weeks ago on this podcast, I joked who isn't running for U.S. Senate. And <laughs> I did not know how true that statement was going to be at this point. But yeah, seems like he's ready to jump into the race. Oh, my goodness. So here's here's actually my honest analysis of this. I think that if Mark McCloskey announces that he's running for Senate, I think Eric Schmidt is the real winner there. Of course. And the reason is because you got to imagine that the Venn diagram of Mark McCloskey supporters and Eric Greitens supporters is pretty close to a perfect circle. Yes. Um, so he's going to take a lot of those votes away from uh, Eric Greitens and, and then, you know, Eric Schmidt, who's a candidate who's kind of removed from that. Um, he's going to benefit a lot from it. Um, and, you know, we still don't know. Uh, first of all, McCloskey hasn't officially announced no. yet. These are rumors that we're hearing um, from reliable sources. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um there's also a ton of other people who we think we're expecting to get into the race. Um, we know that uh, Representative Vicki Hartzler, um, Representative Ann Wagner, um, Representative Jason Smith. Billy Long. Um, yeah, pretty much every Congress yeah. person <laughs> from Missouri is looking at this race. Um, and then obviously uh, Eric Greitens and Eric Schmidt are the two that have announced on the Republican side. Officially. Um, on the Democrat side, uh, Scott Sifton has announced. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lucas Kuntz mm -hmm. out of um, Kansas City and then I believe there was one more I, I think his name's Tim Shepard yes. um, who's a political newcomer who is also announced um, so man I mean the next two years it's just going to be so interesting all the time and I I, I think it's going to be really hard for us to release a podcast without some type of Senate news coming down it's going to be a new goal now yeah <laughs> we'll see <laughs> we'll find a way to talk about the Senate race every single pod so I guess that's all for this week. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and follow me on Twitter at K underscore Shalhorn. That's K underscore S-C-H-A-L-L-H-O-R-N. And follow me at Connor Kerrigan. That's Connor with two N's and an E, K-E-R-R-I-G-A-N. And we'll see you next week. Cheers. 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 <laughs>